Are you a PA struggling with burnout, career overwhelm, or just life in general? Do you love your career some days and other days you wonder what in the heck you were thinking choosing to spend your days married to medicine? Or maybe you're a mom like me and you find it impossible to do it all, so you end up feeling like a failure more days than not. I created this podcast because I've been there, which is why I became a life coach who helps other PAs get off the struggle bus. The tips, tools, and talks in this podcast are exactly what I wish I'd had when I was burned out and trying to care for patients, kids, marriage, and my own mental health. If you like what you hear in this podcast, please share it with others and check out my website, coachhopecook.com for articles, coaching, videos, and more. Y'all, I had the biggest aha, and I can't believe it took me this long to think of this or to have this kind of insight about burnout. Okay, I was talking to a parenting coach. If you've never heard of a parenting coach, you might want to get one because it has really changed how I look at parenting and the techniques I use and how I see my kids' reactions. I mean, I don't talk to her that often. Um, I think once a month is probably good. But anyway, we were talking about when kids get triggered and their reaction. And she explained it this way. She said, okay, you know, you've heard kids' prefrontal cortex does not develop until they're like 18. And I'm like, yes, I've heard that. Um, And then she said, so before... Oops, hold on, sorry. She said before that, they are using, uh, what is it? I think it's the amygdala, their lizard brain. So they call it lizard brain and wizard brain. So while they're using their lizard brain, you know, until they're like 18, when they flip their lid, when they lose their, you know what, they are not able to think rationally or logically. Okay, so this doesn't sound like this big, that big of an aha. But she said, do you know how we react when we flip our lids? And I'm like, like a crazy person screaming or saying ugly things or, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is all that about? It's about fight or flight. And I still didn't really get it. And then she was like, your daughter's a fighter. Like she reacts to triggers or any kind of threat, what she sees as a threat, like even if it's like taking away her iPad, which that's not a threat, but her little brain sees that as a threat. And she reacts with the fight response, which can show up as aggression or screaming or crying or whatever, which has gotten a whole lot better as she's gotten older. She turns 12 today. Happy birthday. (laughs) Anyway, she said, your son is not like that, right? And I said, no, He's more of a, uh, let's see, what would he be? He's not a flight. There's also flop where you just go limp and you're like, I can't do anything. I'm helpless. I'm just like a bag of potatoes. And then there's fawn. Fawn is where you basically people please or you get kind of codependent. You put the other person's needs above your own. Um And then there's also freeze where you just are completely immobilized. And I was talking to a friend and she said, oh my gosh, my daughter is freeze. She looks at me like deer in the headlights. 
and she just cannot, she's like stuck. She cannot function. And I was like, oh gosh, wouldn't I rather have that than fight? You know, like fighting is so draining. And she's like, uh-uh, I'd rather have, you know, a kid who's yelling at me and telling me what's going on in their brain than somebody who's like totally frozen and I have no idea what they're thinking. So I'm just telling you that so that you can see these different responses. So my aha about burnout was, wow, for years at one of my jobs, when I was feeling burned out, I went into this fawn mode, F-A-W-N. Sorry, I've got the accent going on. Um, and I wanted to, let me put on my glasses so I can read this. So this is what it's like when you're in the fawn response. Um, so your sympathetic nervous system, it's stuck in this permanent fight or flight cycle. And this, lead, we'll get, get into what it leads to, but basically, um, when you are in this fawning, you're abandoning your own needs to serve others or avoid conflict, criticism, or disapproval. And this was me 100%. Anything to avoid conflict, anything to avoid criticism or disapproval. And it was like, that sounds silly to people who aren't people pleasers. But for me, that was a huge threat. It was like there was a you know, murderer hiding who was going to like chop me up. If you have this going on in your workplace where you are constantly putting their needs above your needs, you're serving them instead of yourself, it, it has to do with codependency. Um, like you have merged with their needs, wishes, and demands. And so you're when you're in fight or flight, when you're in burnout mode, you're not able to think logically. And they've, they have shown this with MRI scans and they, it shows a thinning of the prefrontal cortex. So that's the part that I was saying doesn't really develop until your kids are 18. And it shows a thickening of the amygdala or the, the fight or flight lizard brain that's just concerned with survival. So all of this suddenly made sense. Um, I had a coworker once who was like, screw this. And she just walked out at lunch. So that would be an example of flight. Her body was like, uh-uh, not going to do this. No more. I am out of here. I could never do that. Instead, I was over there like doing whatever it took to please the doctor or to please the office manager. Um, if you are one of the flop people, this, you're going to be completely useless. <laughs> you will see yourself that way. Anyway, this is when you really stop functioning. I mean, you hear it called quietly quitting and you are just sitting there. You're not really doing your job. Or if you are doing it, you're probably doing like a C minus job. And it's not that it's your fault. You're not just lazy or like giving up. It really is that you're, this is how your body is dealing with the fight or flight response. And I just, I went down a rabbit hole of reading studies and like all these different um, occupations like police officers and um, even teachers where they measure their first morning cortisol level to kind of see, all right. So they say that they feel burned out. Let's measure their cortisol level. And that's your stress hormone. So obviously, if you're stressed out, you're not going to be working at your peak. But your body is also not able to think logically. 
And so this did make me feel better because for years I've thought, Hope, how could you have stayed there that long? Like it was probably a solid year after I knew I needed to leave that I stayed. Um, And eventually you get to the point where your, let me think, how am I going to say this? Um, Your wizard brain has to override your lizard brain. In other words, you are in so much danger if you keep going the way your lizard brain has been pushing you to go, that your your logical brain will finally say, look, you, you can't do this anymore. And so you get to that like rock bottom point, that crying on the bathroom floor moment. And that's when you, you, you finally like come to your senses and you're like, all of a sudden I could just see clearly. I had this clarity that I had to get out of there or that I had to talk to my boss or whatever it is. Um, so if you're in this situation right now, like what can you do? How can you calm down your sympathetic nervous system? How can you um, like make your parasympathetic nervous system, that's your rest and repair part of your brain? How can you like boost that up? So the first thing I think is just knowing that it's not your fault. Like it's not that you are weak and that you are choosing to do this. And this was the big aha with my kids too. Once she was able to show me how my kids react and and I was able to see that that's how they react when their little brains sense um, a threat or a trigger or whatever, it changed everything. Because then I'm like, oh, okay, I have to approach this differently. Like, and she gave me certain steps. I don't know if these will help with us as adults, but like one of them was attention, like just giving your kids attention. Um, Because what I would do is uh -uh, I am not going to sit here and listen to you yell or scream or call me names or whatever. And so I would leave her alone. And so she's like, no, no, no. Attention is going to be key. I think as adults where this may show up is we need people around us to support us. And if you have a spouse or or if you don't have anybody who's listening to you and able to sort of uh, reassure you that like, hey, I'm here for you. I hear you and I see you. Then that's going to feel really hard. The next thing is acknowledgement. So that kind of goes along with the attention thing acknowledging that what you are going through is your part of your brain that senses that there's danger, that there's a threat. And just knowing that I think is going to reassure you a lot that this is like what is happening in your body. is just a coping mechanism. It was learned long ago as a kid when you heard your parents fighting or when you you know, got left in the crib for hours or whatever it was. Like your little tiny body learned that years ago. My body learned please and appease. (laughs) Like that's the way to get love. And it had nothing to do with my parents. It was just something inside of me. Like that's what I, that's what I thought was the truth. 
Um, the other, let's see, there was another A, alone. Sometimes being alone is good and sometimes it's not good. So figuring out if you need time and space by yourself or figuring out if that's the wrong thing and you need to be more social. Because a lot of self-help books or burnout books will talk about um, you need social interaction. And then other ones will talk about, no, you need to take time off. You need time like by yourself. So really just getting getting quiet and figuring out what it is you need, what would make you feel better. Um, for kids, she said, you know, maybe it's affection. Like, does your kid like affection or are they like, uh-uh, don't touch me. My kids right now are like, don't touch me. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what your kids are doing. Um, I, I was thinking about this using what I've learned about wellness and what I learned in functional medicine. And I'm going to give you some other ideas um, one is to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. You need sleep. So this is when your body does all the rest and repair work. If you are not able to get some sleep, we've got to figure out why and how to get you some sleep. Um, really seven to eight hours is what you need. So if you're in bed, just like wheels are spinning and you cannot sleep and you're anxious, that is going to make it so much worse. So you got to see somebody and figure out how you can start sleeping. Um, the other thing that can help is maybe controlling something. Because a big part of burnout is feeling like you have no control. And that's also part of that threat, part of that danger feeling. You know, when I take away my daughter's iPad, she's like, I can't control this. So well, like, well, this is a simple tip. But what I've done with her is like, do you want to leave your iPad on the desk or do you want to take it, you know, to the table when, I, when you're done or, you know, just something silly like that that's not really giving her a choice, but she thinks she has a choice. Or do you want to turn off your iPad now or do you want two more minutes? I mean, duh, but it kind of works at this age. Um, curiosity. So being curious instead of like beating yourself up, can you get curious? Like what's going on with me right now? And really say the story in my head is that and for me, I was thinking back about this, like there were probably four or five stories at any given time during my different bouts of burnout. And these stories represented my threat. So one of them was, I'm going to get behind. I'm not good enough. This is too much. So all of this fell into the category of like, this is too much, which equated to I'm not good enough. And that was a real fear, like a fear that, you know, if you're not good enough, like you're going to die. Even though I wasn't going to die, this lizard part of my brain thought you are going to die. You're not good enough. You're not going to survive in this dog eat dog environment. Um, the second thing that the story that I would tell myself is she or he is not safe. Like I perceived my boss or my office manager as a threat. And this had to do with anything from a loud voice, like if they were a yeller, to um, a look. I mean, it's some of it really is in my head. Some of it may not have been perceived by other employees the same way, which kind of makes me feel like I'm crazy when I say that out loud. But it really is a part of your brain you don't have control over. It's just how your brain sees it. So um, my dad was loud. He liked to yell. And 
get really angry. And so I think as a kid, that was what I perceived as danger. And when I was a grown up and I worked for people who got loud, it made me feel not safe. So then I would go into that hyper pleasing mode or that fawning mode. Um, the third story would be like um, boredom. Like, oh God, what am I doing? I just like, this is awful. This is just so boring. And I think what I was making that mean was like, I should be grateful. The story was, you know, my job is boring. I should be grateful. And so anytime you have should in there, you know, it's probably a lie. In reality, I think it just didn't align with me. You know, I think I needed more stimulation or whatever. And that brings me to my next one. If you have a misalignment of your values with your work, that can also make you feel burned out. And that's not necessarily a fight or flight kind of thing. It's, it's not that there's a danger. It's just a clue. So there's a difference between interpreting something as a danger and then just like, oh, that's good information. Like that's good information that they value this, you know, making money and I value treating patients or whatever it is. Um, okay, so back to what you can do. Sorry, I skipped around. Okay, the control. So give yourself something you can control. Um, number five was give your body what it needs the most. And the key with this is asking. Ask yourself what you need. And I will say it. Hope, what do you need? Or I'll say, what do I need right now? And the answer almost always pops up. Again, it sounds crazy. You're talking to yourself. You should know what you need. But there's something about asking yourself what you need that prompts whatever part of you to spit out the answer. And what I needed, I was thinking back, um, lunchtime was the only time I slowed down to even consider what was going on in my body. And here's what it would say it needed. It needed to get away from the office. It needed quiet. Didn't need to be listening to podcasts during lunch and it, or talking on the phone. Um, sunshine, like we had this big, um, like sun facing sidewalk and brick wall. And the sidewalk would just heat up with the sun. And during the wintertime, it felt so good to just sit on the sidewalk, lean my back against the wall. It was kind of hidden from everywhere. And it faced a forest. And I could just sit and close my eyes. I'd wear my sunglasses so nobody knew that I had my eyes closed. And I would just sit there. And that's before I even learned to meditate, but I was reading some studies on meditation and we all know meditation's good for you, but here's why. When you meditate, it activates that opposite of the sympathetic nervous system. It activates your calm response, your I am safe response. Like your blood pressure goes down, your heart rate goes down. All the parts that were sped up because your body thought it was in danger will calm down when you can sit and meditate and focus on your breath. Um, I think I already said sleep, but the other one that goes along with that is like calm exercise. So one thing I did wrong when I was burned out was ramped up the exercise. Hit class, I mean, the higher I could get my heart rate, the better I thought, but that's actually the opposite of what you should do. Um, really 
if you can do calm exercises that don't get your heart rate all jacked up, that's going to make you recover faster. It sends signals to your brain that you are safe. Go easy on the caffeine. And I know it's so tempting because part of burnout is emotional exhaustion, emotion, emotional and physical exhaustion. Um, so we want to do the caffeine, but it's if you can go easy on the caffeine, that's going to help. Um, for me, water. Water is so calming. If I ever get in an argument with somebody or um, get in that fight or flight mode, the one thing that I can almost guarantee will shut that down is water if I can take a bath. So <laughs> my husband has learned if I go missing in the middle of an argument, he, I'm in the bathtub. Um, nature is the other one. And I'd say this is my husband's biggest one. He calls it forest bathing and he is a forester. So that makes sense. But nature has such a calming, calming effect on almost everybody. So if you can get outside for just five minutes, it will work wonders. And then the last thing I can tell you is that it's not forever. When you are in the middle of this triggered threat, I'm in danger sort of state of mind, it can feel like you will never get out of it. You cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I think knowing that you are not able to think logically, that's going to help. And then also just knowing that it's not forever. This, this will end. And it's not a sign that it's that you're weak or that it's your fault. It will end. So really just listen to what you need in these moments and stop beating yourself up. I've got a lot of other ideas, but I am going to stop right here because if you're overwhelmed and in fight or flight, then the last thing you need is more talking and more listening and more things to do. All right. I will catch y'all next week. Take care. Hey, y'all, if you'd like to receive my monthly newsletter, please go to my website and look for the sign up at the bottom of the homepage. I send out monthly recommendations for books, other podcasts, even recipes and updates on the family. So sign up so you can get to know me and I can get to know you. You've been listening to Physician Assistant Burnout with me, your host, Hope Cook. If you could use more hope in your life, head to my website, coachhopecookcook.com, where you'll find tons of goodies, including my free mini book on overcoming burnout. It would also mean the world to me if y'all would rate and review me on Apple Podcast or share this episode with a friend. I will see y'all next week.